Shall we pray? Father, we thank you. We appreciate you, Lord, for today, a day you have made. And Lord, we're glad we're rejoicing in it. We're excited about what you have in mind from the sowing of the seed of the theme in the heart of our pastor to putting everything together. We're so excited about what you have in mind. And Spirit of God, we don't want to miss anything. We ask that your Holy Spirit will take care of every thought, every word, every action. That it will proceed from your throne of grace. And at the end, indeed, we shall all thrive in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, Lord. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Well, the theme is Thrive. So I welcome you to Success Seminar 2022. And I want you to know that there's a reason why God said thrive. He could have just said succeed, but he said thrive. And um, like Pastor Tulu said, to thrive is to grow vigorously. To succeed very well. In other words, in the superlative. Another word could be to prosper. But I like this. It says to progress towards or to realize a goal despite of or because of circumstances. To progress towards or to realize a goal despite of or because of circumstances. In other words, when you succeed in certain terrain, we don't call it thrive. We don't say you are thriving. Because everybody else is thriving. When the economy is, a is at a boom point, virtually everything is doing well. But when you progress despite of circumstances or because of circumstances. The two of them are different. Very different. You see, when you thrive despite circumstances, it means there's something different. I love the picture that was put on the flyer. Please, let's appreciate the guys who designed that flyer. They, 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 they looked at it from God's eyes. And so I saw a seed that was thriving in something like a desert. Now, when you see a plant doing well in spite of drought, it's either there's something different in the seed or there's something unique in the environment. You don't just see that situation or that result anyhow. There must be something different. Now we know Nigeria is not doing well. For you to thrive in this situation, there must be something in you. 
You see, the value of the seed is in the seed. That's why many times they have a hard coat. We carry treasure in earthen vessels. What do you carry? Are you following me? What you carry inside is what is going to make you thrive. Despite of. The other side says thriving in that environment or because of that environment. Because there is drought, that is your time to thrive. That's funny. I said something has to be different in you. You see, you can't be the same as the world and expect a different result from the world. If you are the same as the world, if is what you carry is what the world carries, then what you will experience is what the world is experiencing. There must be something different in you. So what do you carry? We, we carry the Spirit of God, but do you know you carry the Spirit of God and what do you do with God's Spirit? But I'm saying when you thrive because of circumstances that are adverse, it's because... Your light can't shine well when there's light all around. You need darkness for your light to shine. Are you following me? Your services, what God has put in you, can't thrive if there's no phenomenal need for it. You see, when Joseph came out of prison, it was because... They were desperate for a solution. May God give you a solution that the world is desperate for. That's when, despite the drought, you will thrive. So when the Bible says that darkness will cover the earth, gross darkness, but you arise and shine, for your light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. It means that that setting of darkness is for you to thrive. And so the value of the dollar that is very terrible, the price of the diesel that is horrible, are you following me? They are all there. You have to thrive despite or even because of that. Do you know there are people who don't want Nigerians' electricity to improve? They don't want it to improve. Somebody was talking on the, and they were showing one, I say the guy is ignorant from Liberia. And he was saying that, uh, see, Abuja is all dark. And, uh, you know, and he was saying this. And I said that, uh, when you say a giant, you know, a giant may not know itself, but uh, a giant is a giant. Why are people rushing in while our people are rushing out? There's something that we don't see. To thrive despite a situation or even because of a situation. So those guys don't pray that our light will work. But, you know, when the guy was talking about light in Accra, Ghana's economy is in trouble. Inflation in Ghana is worse than Nigeria. They're not doing well. The returns people are getting in Ghana, many international groups that went to Ghana are regretting it. So it's, it's not because of light coming on. Don't be like 
two salesmen, one of them got to a city, go and sell shoes. He got on the next, he says, no, they don't wear shoes here. So I can't stay here. But the other one said, send me a shipload of shoes. They don't have shoes here. Same situation. All right? I'm saying thrive despite or even because of. So we'll pray for Nigeria, but we know that in famine and in destruction, we shall laugh. We're not laughing at the people, but we are laughing because of the result that God has put in us. Now, Isaac was an ordinary farmer in the land until famine struck. He was an ordinary farmer. He wasn't an only child. It was God that said he was the only child. But there was a guy before him. There were people that came after him. So Isaac was ordinary. But then when famine struck, he did what everybody else was doing. Okay? He wanted to run to Egypt. But he passed through Gera. Now, there was a famine in the time of his father. His father went to Egypt. They drove him out of Egypt to Gera. But he was going to Egypt. He went through Gera. You know, in other words, it's like history. But when he got to Gera, as he was planning how he would get his visa to Egypt, I'm just making it like what we know, or how he would get the flight, God said, don't go to Egypt, stay in Gera. And he stayed there. And um, he sowed in that land when there was famine. Let's just read Genesis 26 from verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Now, if you were like me, I used to think that the big deal was the hundredfold. Let me see your hand up. I used to think the big deal was the hundredfold. That Isaac got a hundredfold. Are you following me? But I want you to see the Bible. That's not even the big deal. That was the beginning of the big deal. He got a hundredfold. Now verse 13 says, The man began to prosper. He didn't say the man had prospered. He had got a hundredfold though. And as far as God was concerned, God's plans and purposes and strategies, he says, the man began to prosper. So please stop praying for a hundredfold return. Because there is much more beyond a hundredfold. So he began to prosper and continued prospering. We don't know how many folds now. Until he became very prosperous. He sowed in that land. He reaped a hundredfold. And then that was the beginning. Are you seeing something? Are you seeing something? A hundredfold. And the Bible says, he began to prosper. So maybe you think you have made it. You think you have arrived. You think, I mean, God has something bigger than what you have in mind. Are you following me? Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard the things that God has reserved for us. Are you following me? Just follow God and believe his servant, the prophet. 
Now, man is a spirit. He lives in a body. He has a mind. We think with the mind. We work with the body. The way God has planned it is when we give our lives to Christ, our spirit becomes alive to God. So our spirit connects with God, but our mind is still our mind. That's why Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice. That's the body, holy and acceptable of God, which is a reasonable service. And he said, but don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the mind is the connection between the spirit and the body. So, if you do not make your spirit affect your mind, your body can't get the result. Thriving is in the body. But it must take instruction from the mind. Now, the instruction that the mind gives to the body is what he used to give until there is an effect from the spirit on the mind. So, you keep renewing your mind so that your mind can direct your body. My message is going to be in two parts. We can call the body the flesh. So part one of my message is disconnecting the flesh. Disconnecting the flesh. We've had so much about how we should live in the spirit. But I tell you, if you don't disconnect the flesh, it's difficult, it's impossible to live in the spirit. Because every time you're going to be walking with a different system, you must disconnect. I've seen homes and, uh, you know, where you have uh, different phrases into the house. You got a single meter, all right? But uh, you brought two or three lines. So that when there's no line, light in this one, Abi, you remove the cutout. How many people have seen that? Uh, see, Nigeria teaches us a lot. If you live in England, you won't even know all those things, you know. You remove from one and then you put it, ah, you know, and the line, right? The reason why the electricians do it is because you don't want two lines to jam. You will have catastrophe. So they must disconnect from one to go to another one. For us to benefit from the spirit, we must disconnect from the flesh. Now I said, the flesh is ruled by the mind. And God's design is that the flesh should be ruled by the spirit. But the spirit has to work on the mind to get this. Now, the mind has two parts. There's the subconscious mind and there's the conscious mind. The subconscious mind is the one that we, we don't even think about it. You don't think about what you're thinking. When you're driving, when you're learning to drive, your mind is involved. You are really conscious of the brake. Thank God for automatic. If, if it was the days of, uh, of manual, you will look for clutch. And then, uh, if you want to move, they tell you to remove your leg from the clutch gradually and press the accelerator. 
and, uh, and then there's one in the middle, that's the brake. But, so when you are driving, you are looking and uh, but the time comes, you don't even look. You know this is there, you know that is there. That is subconscious. Alright? Sometimes even going home, you know when you get the point you turn the, I mean, we get guilty of that. If I've passed the road several times, there are times when I'm coming from a place, when I get to the normal, I just go on straight. I know it happens to all of us because it's the subconscious mind. It governs our body. But today I'm going to speak on the conscious mind. Because the way to disconnect the flesh from the subconscious mind is different from disconnecting from the thinking mind, the conscious mind. Second Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 3. This is a portion of scripture we use for spiritual warfare. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now we pray and we boast in this, that though we walk in the flesh, we don't war in the flesh. We pray with that confidence that we have weapons that are mighty to pull down strongholds. But what are these strongholds? We usually think of the coven of the witches. Those ones that we believe are on trees. And so when you say pulling down of strongholds, what you, in fact, we, we virtually physically pull down strongholds. Well, let's see New Living Translation, NLT. And we can see a few other. But in NLT, I love the way it puts it. From verse 3, we are human. But we don't wage war as humans do. All right? We're talking about disconnecting the flesh. He says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of one. Human reasoning and to destroy two false arguments. We destroy every number three proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And number four, we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them. So, disconnecting from the body. Is done consciously by dealing with the thoughts, all right? Human reasoning. If you want to disconnect and connect to spirit, you must handle human reasoning. How we think normally. How Nigerians think. Are you following me? Unfortunately, we can't say how Christians think. Because the church is so worldly and the world is so churchy. We find ourselves thinking, reasoning in the same way as other people. Alright, so human reasoning then, false arguments. Arguments that don't have a foundation, but which we have come to believe in. Let me start with human reasoning. 
In Matthew chapter 14, from verse 13, well, before that time, Jesus had, he got a news that John the Baptist's cousin had been beheaded. And so he, he was unhappy. He wanted to meditate. But people saw him going into the wilderness and they followed. Anyway, verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by sheep into a desert place apart. When the people had, left, had, had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. And Jesus went, went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. This is human reasoning. But Jesus said to them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. So human reasoning tries to push the problem to somebody else. Look, I don't join people who blame the Europeans again. You can go on again. We were colonized by the British. Pushing the problem to somebody else. Let them go and buy something somewhere else. Wasn't India colonized? So why are they doing well now? Are you following me? Don't blame anyone. That's human reasoning. Don't try to pass the, the problem to someone else. They said, let them, let them go and look for food for themselves. Human reason also says what we have is not enough. Say, what we have? How many loads do we have? As a matter of fact, the way it is put in Mark says it is expensive to feed these people. We can't get the money. And so, let us not even try. If you want to thrive, you have to disconnect from that human reasoning. Yeah, cut your coat according to your cloth. That is human reasoning. You have to disconnect from that. The way God works in the kingdom is different from the way we walk in the world. So we need to change that paradigm. Whatever is wise in man's own eyes is not the standard if you want to thrive. I'm not saying you'll be foolish, all right? I'm not saying you, but don't limit yourself with human reasoning. I've shared this many times, you know, uh, in um, Mokola, in uh, Arulogun, how when I was supposed to go to, to Maui for Haggai leadership training, and that was like the second or third time I was invited. I'd paid the money and my, my mother died. So I said, ah, mommy has died. So we have to plan burial. My wife said, no, go to Maui. I will handle burial. I will handle planning. You will come in time for burial itself. I said, eh. She said, okay. Then 
I was supposed to travel on Saturday so that I can get in before the closing, you know, the opening ceremony. If you miss opening, forget it. Come another year. Pastor Tulu has gone there before. Pastor Lawyer did his own online. And the money I needed for the ticket was not there. So somebody was supposed to pay us a money, an amount. And so I went with the person. The person said, ah, Pastor, ah, it'd be like a ghetto. I think this money will be ready on Monday. Ah, it's a Monday. And I was believing God to go to Maui on Friday, on Saturday. I said, okay. So I went to Deola, my wife, and we prayed. And she said, God, I mean, we said, God, make a way, provide this and that. And this guy called me on Friday. He said, Pastor, you can come and collect the check. So in my mind, I was thinking, so, like, okay, let me collect the check so that at least I know that come Monday, there will be money, shall you know, that kind of situation. And then I got to him, I saw the check. And I saw Friday date, you know. I said, ah, you told me the money will be ready on Monday. He said, ah, God, don't do them. I said, the money is there now. She said, yes. Ah. Then our daughter, the last daughter, what I called from America, she had, she wanted to do master's after her first degree, had a first class, and so a good parent should encourage her. But we had looked at the bill. It was $70,000. I said, this is Ebenezer. In Yoruba, Ebenezer. I said, uh, we can't, even if we have $70,000, we have things to do. Human reasoning. But I said, if you believe God for his scholarship, we can agree with you. She said, okay, I do, I believe. So then she now said, if I'm not going to do this master's, let me come in time for NYSC. So she wanted to come back for NYSC. And then this money came. And I said to my wife, hmm, today I said, this money now, I will look like an irresponsible father if I leave Nigeria and go to U.S. to attend a conference, although Christian conference, are you following me? And then my daughter, if she didn't come at that time, she would wait for another year. It was not that time when they have all these uh, batches and batches and whatever, are you following me? She will need to wait for one year. So dilemma, thank God for a good wife. She said, we prayed for this money. Say so we ask God if you want, if he wants you to go to Maui to provide. So this money is for Maui. I said, eh, hey, all right. So I bought the ticket. I didn't tell Wura. When I landed in Atlanta, Georgia, I called her. She said, Daddy, you are in US. I said, Yes. He said, Ah. He said, What about my ticket? I said, your, your, your mom will send the ticket. You know, the Lord will provide for himself a ram. And you know, if, if, if you brought up your children with faith, they know when you don't have it and you are talking faith. So he said, ah, daddy, you know. I said, your mom will send the ticket. She said, ah, no. I said, she will send the ticket. Anyway. She, she knew I was there already. Because if I told her before leaving, she would have made me feel guilty. Now, this is where I'm going. Human reasoning. I got on Maui. On Tuesday night, I was sleeping 2 a.m. My phone rings. Sorry to bore you. And then, 
2 a.m. And I picked the phone. And it was her. I said, how can you call me? Of all people at this kind of time. She said, they gave me a scholarship. She said, I will call in the morning. I said, no. I said, I am awake. I said, I'm awake. What happened? That was the year of 9-11. All right? They put it on the websites, no scholarships for foreigners. It was a policy in America. You know what happened? They didn't give her a scholarship. They gave her a teaching assistant job. And as a teaching assistant, you can study anything free of charge. And then they were giving her $1,200 allowance per month, better than scholarship. Human reasoning says, as a responsible father, this money that has come, use it and let your daughter, I mean, come and do her you. If she had left, are you following me? She would have missed that scholarship. You know why she got the scholarship? Because she couldn't go, so she started going to say bye-bye. So she would go to this place and say, bye-bye, I'm going. I said, well, how are you going? Somebody said, ah, why are you going? She said, well, my father, my parents can't afford. And he said, are you sure? Okay, send a mail to this place and tell them, I ask you to send. May that happen to you in Jesus' name. They have closed the portal for everybody. Are you following me? But then they have something. See, there are always a remnant blessing, which is reserved. I said, you see, when you thrive in the place when it's a drought, there's something unique around you. So, human reasoning. Always catch yourself when your human reasoning is going against God's reasoning. Number two is false argument. We saw it. False argument. A false argument is an argument that has no validity. There is what you call a statement of fact and there is what is a hypothesis. Many times, somebody says, oh, don't go there, they won't buy that thing. But what is the evidence that they won't buy? False arguments. At the gate of Samaria, 2 Kings chapter 7, Elisha prophesied because of time, we won't read it. He says, tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a price. Verse 2, a Lord on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, might this thing be? Ah, ah, did he know anything about windows in heaven? Be careful what you listen to. When David was going to fight Goliath, he saw somebody. He said, ah, the man has been a, a warrior from youth. All right? What do you know? False argument. Does it mean because he's been a warrior from youth, that means he can not be defeated. So many times we, we, we let people take us away from our destiny. Take us away from God's plan for us. When we started EAC, we hired a person as a supervisor. He said, A-levels cannot, cannot sell. They don't know it. I had to, well, he resigned. But I prayed him. He resigned. He said he wasn't doing it again. Because, what, I mean, in my mind, I wanted to fire him. Are you following me? I'm saying false argument. Lazarus was sick and died. 
And the sister of Lazarus said, my Lord, if you were here, he would not have died. The fact that he died didn't call. Is that the end of the story? I'll tell you a story. A time we, we, we believed God for two cars. And God gave us the first car. It was a gift. The second car, I did a proposal to somebody and I said, give me the money in advance. I'm going to buy a car. And he gave me the money. And then there was a problem. They sold the office building. And uh, they came with thugs. And uh, <laughs> anyway, to cut the long story short, they relaxed. They said, will you pay? Ah. With that kind of situation, is it car that you will now shake a lokon? Eh? Emilokon, have The money that was meant for the second car, we paid it for the office so that we can stay in the office and then earn another money for another. But it's a false argument. We just woke up one day and we said, look, who says we have to buy the second car or pay for it? Father, we are sorry. When to God, we are sorry. We are really sorry. We know you provided the money for the second car. You did your own part. But I'm sure you also saw what happened. The talks they brought and how they said, and said, so look, we have used that money. I think no, it might be no, but we still need the second car. Are you following me? You may have messed up. It's a false argument that that is the end, that you don't have another chance, that you have blown it. Maybe I'm speaking to someone. It's a false argument because we have a loving father. This is disconnecting from the flesh. False argument. All right? So, if Jesus were with Lazarus, if he still wanted to allow Lazarus to die so that the glory would show, Lazarus would have died. So, don't shortchange yourself with false argument. Because of time, number three, it says proud obstacles. Pride. You see, when we have money, we don't really, really trust God. Let's say you have a million naira and you want to buy um, a bicycle or motorcycle, 200 or 300,000. How many people say, I trust God to buy that motorcycle? You just say, God has provided, Father, I think you have provided for this motorcycle. Let's buy this motorcycle. And then, you know, when we really say we need God is when we are humble. When we know that what we have is not enough. And the Bible says those things are obstacles against the knowledge of God. What we have, which is our confidence, is flesh. It's flesh. It's flesh. That's why sometimes God will push us to go and start something that we think is small. And then when we go into the thing, we now find that uh, there's a wall behind Mokola. Robbers were coming and so we said, nah, we did a budget. They said two point something million. I, 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 honestly, I, I started telling those guys what they do is guesstimates. It's not estimate. Two million, they told us. By the time we spent five million, we had not finished. Ah! If we had known, we would not have started. Ask most people who build houses. Unless you're a very rich person. All right? When you start the house, 
you trust God, this one is going to be this available, and then everything freezes, and then you say, ah, Abamok, Are you following me? It's because God wants to remove those proud obstacles so that the excellency can be of God. You want to thrive, you want to remove those things. You see, in Joshua chapter 7, I'm mindful of time, from verse 2, they had just defeated Jericho, mighty Jericho, with impregnable, impregnable walls, a dread. They defeated them. So, who else? Verse 2, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven on the east side of Bethel, and spoke unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed it. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, sir. Well, let about two or three thousand men go up and smite I. They had already concluded they were going to smite them. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So they went up thither of the people, about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of I. And the men of I smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them before the confidence. Confidence is flesh. Are you following me? When you think you can handle something. I, let me also share this testimony. When we're going to buy uh, the place where we have EAC in Bodija now, we pay the first deposit. When we paid that money, what was left in our account was 20,000 naira. And that deposit was 1 million. Can you imagine if you are paying somebody 1 million and you write, you have moved all the money from all the accounts into and it was 1 million and 21,020,000. I wrote a check for 1 million. And you follow the person to the bank and the person cashes 1 million and you are standing like that. What does the person think? Buko Wombembe. They didn't know it was 20,000 remaining. Anyway, they now got to a point, they said, look, we've got another buyer. Ah! I prayed. I said, I said, write two checks. Write so-and-so figure in Guarantee Trust Bank. Write so-and-so figure in First Bank. I said, and then when they came, she gave them. So I went to the manager for Guarantee Trust Bank. Sorry. I said, Mutidaron Sinlono. The man's name is Mr. Daudu. I said, Mutidaron. He said, what happened? I said, I wrote a check for so-and-so million and uh, he said, There's, the money's not there. I said, it's not there. That's why I said, I'm down on. He said, ah. So are you expecting money? I said, we're expecting about this amount, about three quarters of the money. I said, uh, and uh, he said, but you like the house. I said, yeah. He said, pastor will do it. Pastor will do it. Ah! You know, I was so happy and confident. The second one, first bank. So I went with that confidence. So he that stand there should take heed lest he fall. I got to the manager of first bank. He said, and I told him, the man looked at me and said, 419. And you need GBT1. The man, ah, Uma Bumio. He dressed me down. I said, sir, I, I didn't say you should honor the check. I just came to explain to you that we didn't want to lose the house. And incidentally, we had written a letter to. I got out of my office. I'm going to return the check. I'm going to return. So I left the place. Proud obstacles. All right? I was so sure because of uh, the way that would do. Uh, maybe you think God works in the same way. People have run into, into trouble that way because you believe you know it all. Proud obstacles. And so, 
On the day the check will be returned, the man got a letter from the zonal office, that regional office. We didn't speak to anybody. I didn't know anybody in the regional office. As a matter of fact, the man who got the check had come to see me the second day to say that, did you write a confirmation letter to the bank? I said, ah, so no confirmation. Ah, they will return the check. I said, relax now. Me, that, that banker, bank manager had told that they would return. I said, relax now. Maybe they have not returned it. He said, ah, oh, one more dark part. He said that. So when they returned it, he said, I've said so. But by the time we got to that man, ah, the man looked. Ordinarily, he had not perfected the process. Bankers are in the house. I know at least Mr. He had not perfected nothing, nothing. But he remembered the way he insulted me. He said, Pastor, he said, we will do a draft. Drop your check. And we did a draft. And so, when I gave the man the draft, the man said, can they convert it into cash? I said, oh, a binisiri. No, I love it. If you cannot tell your own bank to convert your draft to cash, it means you don't have integrity. Are you, as I was standing in the banking hall, collecting the draft and giving, I was rolling in my heart. Are you following me? Proud obstacles. When we think we have it, we don't depend on God. The last one is rebellious thoughts. Rebellious thoughts. Rebellious thoughts are any thoughts that go against the instructions of God. You need to spend money. You have not paid your tithe. And you think, let me quickly spend this money. I'll come back and pay tithe. It's a rebellious thought. You need to cheat so that you can do what you thought you would do. It's a rebellious thought. And all those things are part of the flesh. As I round up, we're saying disconnect from the flesh. Human reasoning, false arguments. We looked at, um, what's the third one now? Proud obstacles and uh, rebellious thoughts. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Wherever you have lingering connections to the flesh ask God to help you to unplug the flesh disconnect the flesh oh father we thank you Lord for your word we appreciate Lord for your power that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think and I commit everyone into your hand you know there are situations you know there are circumstances all I ask for tonight is a disconnection from the flesh that we can be fully connected to you and I trust you that your power, your glory will manifest in our lives indeed we will thrive we will succeed, we will grow vigorously to your glory and honor in Jesus name I have prayed